0: situation. He took a pitch in the back He got beamed for crying out loud. Heart we used heart attack. Please. Managers on a Major League Baseball team, don't make decisions. Do it without that. The credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Germans Bob Pearl Harbour? The castration of the Major League Baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my win, What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Pass Ball Show. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL playoff picture. And I'm going to give a little respect to a team that probably hasn't been given a lot of respect. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a reason why I think they can make a legitimate run in the upcoming football playoffs. Later on, Howard Cosell is going to join us with his uh, showley segment, where he's going to talk about the life of John Madden and really anything else that's on your mind in the world of baseball and sports. The Tennessee Titans are a win away from taking over the, have home field advantage throughout the playoffs, giving themselves a first round bye, and something that, I don't know, maybe about five, six weeks ago seemed like it was a foregone conclusion. Remember, we were talking about the doldrums of the Titans' schedule, which watched them defeat, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs and the St. Louis Rams and the Indianapolis Colts and finishing it off with a win against the New Orleans Saints and they were sitting there at 8-2 and two. and it looked like this was a team that was maybe looking to return to the Super Bowl for the first time since 1999. And of course, the player that was just about solely responsible for it, the success in a run, Derrick Henry goes out with what seems like a season-long injury, and he's going to be out for the season. Is he going to come back in the postseason? Well, we'll see. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But you know, you're looking at a Titans team that kind of struggled with losses to the Houston Texans. And you know, a definitive loss to the Patriots, a loss to a Steelers team that a lot of people out there are not going to confuse with a team that's going to make a run to win the Super Bowl this year. So you ask yourself this question, what exactly are the Tennessee Titans right now? They've won a couple games, you know, most notably their win last week against the Miami Dolphins. First of all, damaging the upcoming playoff hopes of the Dolphins. But more importantly, putting them in a position with their loss, the combined loss of the Kansas City Chiefs to the Cincinnati Bengals, in a position where the Titans are a win away. A win away from securing home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the American Football Conference, <laughs> and I hope I could get through this show without coughing a whole lot. It's been a little bit of a struggle for me, so for that I do apologize. Um, kind of the reason we haven't done a show in a while. Just trying to get my voice back, and yeah, certainly uh, to this point have not been there. But that being said. We're, we're back to business. The question is going to be, what exactly are the Titans going to be in the playoffs? Because they've clinched the AFC South. They're in a position, like I said, a win away, a win against the Houston Texans. Who That's a team that they're supposed to beat. They're supposed to be able to beat the Houston Texans. If you're a playoff team in the AFC, you're supposed to beat the Houston Texans. And I'm not saying it's a guaranteed win. The Texans have beaten them this year. And you know what? They've had some ups and downs. I think they've played well for their first-year coach, David Culley. Davis Mills, a young quarterback, probably has got a little ways to go before he uh, establishes himself as a consistent NFL quarterback. But, uh, you know, he's has played well. He's had some moments. So I wouldn't say it's a walk in the park or a guaranteed victory. But, listen, if you're the Titans in a spot, you're supposed to win this game. And if you do, you secure home field advantage throughout the playoffs in a very tough AFC an AFC that's got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots and the upstart Cincinnati Bengals and maybe the Ravens, maybe the Colts, maybe the Raiders, maybe the Chargers, some really good teams in that conference. And the reason that I, I mention that and you know, maybe a little elongated is the fact that I don't think the Titans are getting enough respect when it comes to their ability to compete with these other teams. And a lot of it is because Derrick Henry hasn't been in a fault. You know His nearly 1,000 yards that he rushed for through, what, eight or nine weeks? And all of a sudden he's out. Is he going to come back in the playoffs? It looks like he's going to be available in the playoffs. And if I'm a fan of another team in the AFC, I'd be a little worried about that. And the best thing that could happen to the Titans is that they could win what they expect to be. And it should be a winnable game in Houston against the Texans in Week 17, secure that first round bye, give Derrick Henry one more week to get set to play, and you know have two home playoff games with the chance of getting to the Super Bowl for the first time in 22 years. The problem that many of the major analysts are criticizing and a little down on the Titans is because of the quarterback position. The same reason that I have glowed about the great quarterbacks in the National Football League and judge the teams that are good in the National Football League based off of whether or not they have a star quarterback. And Ryan Tannehill would probably go more into the mold of a game manager, but he is not considered a star quarterback. Three years ago, when he took over for Marcus Mariota in in the middle of the season, he, didn't, he barely threw any interceptions. He didn't make any mistakes. They handed the ball to Derrick Henry and worked their way to the AFC Championship game. That Ryan Tannehill would be tremendous for the Titans as they get set for the postseason right now. Now, they don't have a Joe Burrow. They don't have a Pat Mahomes. They don't have a Justin Herbert. And they don't have a Tom Brady. They could win with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill in a solid run game, and Julio Jones, who's missed just about this entire season because of lingering hamstring injuries. If he's backing in 100% on one side, and A.J. Brown's on the other side, and the Titans got an improved defense from last year, I don't think it's that crazy to see the Titans as a team that can make a run to the Super Bowl. The question's going to be how is the rest of the AFC picture going to paint itself in its last week? Because five of the spots are pretty set. You know who they're going to be. It's going to be the Titans, the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, and the Patriots. All teams have secured spots, the first four, as division winners. And, you know, the, the AFC Eastern Division isn't settled yet. It could be either the Bills or the Patriots. But the bottom line is they're both going to the playoffs. So who gets in as, as one of those last spots? I'd have a lot of fear in the Indianapolis Colts, who really have a very good all-around team. They've been a little up and down, which I think frustrates you a little bit. But if you think of the most feared running back in the National Football League, not named Derrick Henry, it's Jonathan Taylor. He's had a breakout season. He has looked as good at the position as anybody has in a couple years. He's having a Terrell Davis type of season. He's having a Chris Johnson type of season. He's having a Derrick Henry season from a year ago. He's been that good. Now, some people, the similar people that are down on the Titans, may be down on the Colts as well because they might not love Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz isn't in that all-time quarterback category. Now, listen, you, you watch the game as it's evolved. Defensive coaches have not really done as well. It's an offensive sport. The top coaches in the NFL not named Belichick and McDermott and Vrabel, right? Outside of that, you're looking at all offensive minds. You know, you think of, of of Andy Reid and you think of Bruce Arians, but obviously Sean McVay has gotten a lot of love over the last several years. The teams that are winning and are getting a lot of attention are the ones that are throwing the hell out of, out of the ball, have an offensive-minded head coach and a star quarterback. So what's to say that a team that doesn't have that can go out there and win a Super Bowl this year? And I think the Titans a lot listen, a lot of it's going to come up come down to Derrick Henry. Just like it did really through the first 9 or so weeks of this football season. If Derrick Henry's at the top of his game, it's tough to see the Titans lose. It's tough to beat Tennessee in a situation like that. And the question's going to be when Derrick Henry steps back on a football field, um, a report from ESPN said that he may play this week. I wouldn't play him, uh, and and not not because I'm putting down that the Houston Texans. You know, I mean, if you follow me, you know, I personally don't like the Houston Texans, but uh, you know, I don't disrespect them as a football team. I think they're a team that uh, you know has to establish what they're going to be. I think their coach is commanding some respect on that team. They look um, a lot more together than they did last year when Bill O'Brien was there. And I think they can beat you on a given week. And, you know, if I'm the Titans, I'm looking to play a good football game. Play a good, mistake-free football game. Ryan Tannehill not throwing the ball to the other team. Not fumbling the football if you're Da'onta Foreman. And, and just playing a solid game coming up with more points than the Texans. And I think they could do that without Derrick Henry. Now, the question's going to be, and I hate to sound a little repetitive, is how healthy is Derrick Henry. Because we've followed this in sports. We've seen players come back from injuries. And you've heard the call, oh, man, he's playing hurt. And a lot of it is 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 you've heard with Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns this year. Now, a lot of people are beating up Baker Mayfield. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of it that I understand. There's a lot of it that I get. And there's a lot of it that I see. Baker Mayfield in four years has elevated the Browns or has been part of the elevation of the Browns to being a no-longer doormat in the American Football Conference. They're an improved team. They're expected to be in it year in and year out. But Baker makes mistakes. Baker doesn't necessarily uh, throw the ball as accurately as he did when he went to Oklahoma. And he makes a lot of mistakes. He fumbles the ball. He throws interceptions. He misses open receivers. These are all things that have been prominent for the most part in the four years that you've seen him on the football field. But the the Baker defenders are going to throw the fact that he's got a separated non-throwing shoulder. He is dealing with so many different injuries right now. He is clearly hurt. And he still, in spite of these injuries, is going out there, giving it his all, and doing everything he can to help his team win. Now, compare it to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry at 50%, I don't think helps the Tennessee Titans. Even though you're looking at a 2,000-yard rusher, even though you're looking at the most prominent and dominant running back in the National Football League when he's at 100%. If he's at 50%, I think the Titans are at a disadvantage. If you watched Baker Mayfield through the majority of this season, listen, I think you can make an excuse if you're a Baker apologist. That he's not healthy enough to be an elite NFL quarterback right now, and that's gotta bother you. Now, if Derrick Henry is a shell of his former self, it's going to put the Titans in a tough position. Now, listen, they've gotten players. Let's say a, a Donta Foreman who really hasn't established himself in the NFL. He's been, a, he's been a serviceable running back, a backup running back, really hasn't been a number one. Had you know had 130-something yards rushing against the Miami Dolphins. But the question's gonna be you know, Derrick Henry just being in the lineup, just playing, is not gonna be enough. He's gonna have to be somewhere near the level that he's been when he's dominated the National Football League over the last couple seasons. I think if James Harden in the NBA, in the, I'm sorry, the uh, the Eastern Conference what was it the Eastern Conference semis last year against Milwaukee. He's in bad shape. He was hurt. You know, you don't give him a participation trophy because he was on the court and playing hurt. At some point, there's got to be accountability for your performance. Yes, if you are at a level where you've been compromised that much because of injury then maybe you should question whether or not you are on the court or obviously in the NFL on the field. And I think Baker has to look in the mirror and answer to that. Yes, he was hurt. He played hurt. And yes, he gets the thumbs up for it. But at the same time, he's still responsible and he's still being judged for his performance on the football field. And that's the one thing I worry about with Derrick Henry. You know, listen, I'd be happy as anything to see a old number 22 on the field. And certainly as a fan, I want him to be out there. And I know he's not going to be 100%. But how much is he compromised? Because I think if he is severely um, a shell of what he was before he got hurt, it's going to put the Titans at an extreme disadvantage. Because it'll take a couple plays. It'll take a quarter for the the defense and the opposition to say, hey, Derrick Henry is more of a decoy than anything. I'm gonna make Ryan Tannehill beat me. And if you if you if you attack the Titans running game, which is usually the goal, then Tannehill's able to throw the ball outside. He's able to hit Brown, he's able to hit Julio Jones. And I think with those guys healthy, the Titans could be pretty good. But if Derrick Henry is compromised, and I think teams could scheme off of the, the pressure of going after the running back you know, putting 10 in the box maybe they're not doing that because they don't think Derrick Henry's anywhere near full strength Titans could be a quick out in the postseason certainly in the AFC and I think if you're a team in the American Football Conference and you come out and you represent the league in the Super Bowl this year you should be proud of yourself and you, you, know, you think of the likes of Cincinnati and some people are saying hey maybe they're not ready yet Joe Burrow's ready you now he's thrown for what nine hundred fifty yards, nine hundred seventy, not what nine seventy one over the last two games. Yeah, you know, he's certainly uh, within two years might be the best quarterback that the Cincinnati Bengals have ever had. You know, sorry Boomer Esaias, and sorry Kenny Anderson, but this guy could play. And you know him and Jamar Chase, T Higgins. Yeah, you know, this you know, you're looking you're looking at a team that obviously you know Joe Mixon. They got a good running. Uh, they got a good uh, defense. Listen, this is a team that ain't a joke. People are going to say they're not ready. If they won a game or two in the in the playoffs, would that shock you? And you got Buffalo and New England, who I think are going to be tough outs. You know, maybe New England isn't the same without Tom Brady. And if if you could force as a defense, you know, Mac Jones to beat you, you might have a chance against the Patriots. And you think of the Los Angeles Chargers, Justin Herbert. Has established himself as a star. All of a sudden, you're thinking of Justin Herbert in the same breath as Philip Rivers and Drew Brees and Dan Fouts. Yeah, and and, and this is, these are all teams within the same conference. Certainly, I look at the AFC playoff picture, and I think these games are going to be better. I think it's going to be interesting, certainly, to think of a guy like Tannehill, who's not on the level of those elite quarterbacks. And I think the Patriots could say the same thing. Hey, if they could run the football well, if they could play good defense, if they could come up with a good scheme against their individual opponent, they got a chance to beat anybody. But nobody's looking at the Patriots and saying, oh man, Mac Jones is going to beat us. Listen, I'm more fearful of Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. And, and yet you, you understand why. But uh, listen. The question for the Titans is going to be the most obvious one, the same one that existed in week 9 or week 10 when Derrick Henry got hurt. How much of an impact is Derrick Henry going to have on a football field? And I think you give them you know, the extra two weeks here, you don't play them in week 17, you hope you get the bye, which will be certainly earned. Think about it. If, if the Titans do their business and hold off and beat the Houston Texans, they certainly would have earned a first round bye. I mean, they beat the Chiefs, they beat the Bills. Yeah, I know the Rams aren't in the same conference, but they beat them, they beat New Orleans, they beat Indianapolis twice. I know they lost to New England. I know they lost to Pittsburgh. But they, they had some tough games on their schedule and they went out there and they won. And they and they deserve credit for that. But you know, it's easy to just say, oh man, they don't have a big quarterback. You know, what would the Titans be if they had Russell Wilson? What would the Titans be if somehow they ended up with Aaron Rodgers? You're looking, you're looking at a football team that's trying to win a different way. You know If you have a better quarterback, does Derrick Henry have as much of an impact on the game? You know, you're looking at a game that is all offense but all throwing the football. Even the top running backs over the last several years have had an ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, you know, the Titans, kinda old school football. Give the ball to Derrick Henry, the beast that he is. Reminding you of number 34 when when you hand a football to him. Thinking of the great Earl Campbell. Yeah, you, know, you think of the NFC picture and, and listen, it's Green Bay to me. That's the team that if they don't get to the Super Bowl, it's gonna be a disappointment. And just watching them week in and week out, listen, they're they're not perfect. I think they could get picked off somewhere. But, you know, who do you, who do you think is leaps and bounds better than them? I think there's them. There's Tampa Bay, who's, you know, losing players left and right. There's St. Louis, which I think after, uh, after the Titans kind of hurt them, <laughs> Yeah, you know, the Titans uh, broke them in that Sunday night game. Had a little bit of a struggle after that, but have kind of got, gotten back. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, a uh, big win last week. Where are the Dallas Cowboys at this stage of the game? Listen, there's going to be some competitive football being played. But you tell me, from the NFC perspective, if there was a team that wasn't named Green Bay, Tampa Bay, or St. Louis in the Super Bowl this year, would you be shocked? I certainly would be. And it's no disrespect to Dallas. It's no disrespect to Philadelphia or anybody else that might get in. Arizona, obviously the great start that they got off to this year. But in the AFC, if Kansas City or Buffalo or Los Angeles or Cincinnati or Tennessee or even Indianapolis made it to the Super Bowl this year, would you be that shocked? Would you be as shocked as if it was Philadelphia or Dallas or Arizona? Now, unless you're a fan of one of those teams I just mentioned, you know, on the latter side of it, you're going to be shocked. The AFC certainly is a lot stronger than that of the NFC. Now, you know, listen, I wanted to avoid talking about Antonio Brown, but I I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a minute or so on it. Um, I think it is telling the fact that the to this moment the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not released him. I think that at least leaves some credibility to the fact that there might be an injury situation. That may have led to him not wanting to go on the field or refusing to enter the game. And I think, you know, listen, you put your risk management team in when it comes to the, the thought of a release of any player, and th- these, these things have to come up. Hey, am I going to release a player that you know, made a fool of himself? Absolutely. But was he hurt? If he wasn't hurt, then, listen, it's cut and dry, and he would have been released already. So I think the fact that he is still on the team at this moment leaves some credence to the fact that maybe um, there is an injury situation there. You know, he hadn't played in a couple weeks because he was suspended. and um, Listen, football players get hurt all the time. Now, was this a matter of him refusing to go in a game because he was hurt? Well, if that's the case, listen, I don't know if there's time for reconciliation. But, you know, the Buccaneers, if they're going to release him and he's going to go jump, play for another team, and potentially play them in the playoffs, I don't think the Bucks want that either. So I think there is an evaluation process going on. Now, you heard me a couple weeks ago talking about the John Madden documentary and how it really did sound like a eulogy. Now at the end, I didn't have any issue with all those players and people associated, coaches with the National Football League, giving their respects and tell John Madden him to his face what they meant to him. And you could tell John was soaking it in. It meant a lot to him. But it just felt like we were saying goodbye to John Madden. And it, it's just it's sad to say that only three days after that documentary was released on Christmas Day, three days after Christmas, John Madden passes away. And even though I kind of sensed that we were kind of saying goodbye to John Madden with this documentary, you know, it was recorded, what, you know, weeks before, set to air on Christmas Day. You know, it still kind of shocks you because you look at an immortal when it comes to the history of professional football. You look at somebody that innovated a game as a coach, as a football analyst. Certainly with his video games, could very well cover three generations of football. And with more on the life of John Madden, we're going to bring in my buddy Howard Cosell. Hello everybody, this is Howard Cosell. When you think of football and the dominance of the National Football League over the past 50, 60 years. It's impossible to not reminisce and respect the impact of the legendary John Madden. From somebody that was in his 20s coaching as an assistant at San Diego State Madden entered the National Football League in the late 1960s as a coach with the Oakland Raiders and Al Davis. He became the football coach for the Raiders for 10 seasons winning a Super Bowl and finishing with over a 700 winning percentage. I've spoken about the jock as it exists in professional sports. The transition from the field to the microphone is not as easy as people make it out to be. John Madden was an exception to the rule. He he made this transition and became the greatest football analyst outside of yours truly, of course, and innovated the sport of professional football, his preparation, his knowledge of the game is something that he shared with viewers and listeners for an entire generation. Thanks Howard. Now you think of John Madden and certainly um, there's an entire generation of younger kids, perhaps my children's age, that will look at the accomplishments of John Madden and kind of remember him as the guy that created a video game. And listen, Madden himself was not going to create some two-bit graphic game where you weren't going to see 11-on-11 on a football field. And that was something that you know has made the football game into what it is right now. It is like a real life game. Now, I stepped away from playing video games years ago, spent more time researching and studying and just learning more about professional sports and its history. But, you know, if you're looking for a replica of the NFL in a game you could control, now Madden football is going to live a long time. It's certainly going to outlive John Madden. And think about your grandparents who probably remember John Madden with the cigarette sticking out of his mouth on the sidelines, uh, with his headset on and his mullet as a coach at Oakland Raiders, winning a Super Bowl. And my generation's going to remember John Madden as a great broadcaster and analyst, him and Pat Summerall, certainly him and Al Michaels towards the end, working for all four of the major networks but just his impact in the way he changed the world of sports broadcasting. And it's funny. I mean, you know, Howard Cosell is going to be a part of this show because he he is, he is the one that I relate to the most in the world of sports broadcasting. But you think of Howard Cosell, you think of John Madden, and then maybe you see what's happening with the Manning broadcast now. Kind of a different generation of Football analysts, you know, analysis during the game. You know, you got two people that aren't in the stadiums. They're bringing in guests. And, you know, obviously the two quarterbacks are extremely knowledgeable, both heading to the Hall of Fame. They're, they're doing it a little differently, just like Howard Cosell did it a little differently, just like John Madden did it a little differently. And and I hate to knock, you know, the majority of your football broadcast, but there's not there's not a lot to it. Just like podcasts. You know, you can listen to a podcast, hear a bunch of people doing the same thing. Listen, I'm more intrigued by somebody that's willing to toe the line, that's willing to do something a little bit differently. And listen, I think the Manning brothers are doing that. And John Madden, I don't think, would have been a pro football analyst. He wouldn't have been on broadcast if he couldn't do it his way. And, you know, kudos to the NFL for for allowing him to do that, for allowing him to. Do the preparation that he did. For him to you know, meet with the players and see uh, practices and stuff like that. Stuff that wasn't happening before in the NFL. And for him to control the broadcast the way he did, brought in a new generation of football fans. So we're going to check the health here. And hopefully I'll, I'll be feeling better over the course of the next week or so. I'm going to try to knock out a show before we uh, finish the week here. Happy to be doing the first one of 2022 the first of many um, we're going to be doing uh, more interviews we're going to work um, zoom in with YouTube live so you can get not only my face but the face of the person that I'm talking to on the broadcast I'm starting to catch up in times um, we're going to a- introduce a couple more segments to the show over time so I'm excited where uh, the Passball show is going to be in 2022 as we get close to episode number 600 if you haven't checked out any of it yet um, please do. You go to johnpiele.com, you can access the majority of the, what, 587 or 588 shows that have been up there to this point. So, uh, and, and listen, you know we're, we're going to keep the history of professional sports going. And this is something that I don't think a lot of people really care about. Now, should you care about Should you not care about it? Uh, hey, it's up to you. Whatever you want to do. But I, you know, I look at the history of professional sports and the fact that it's gotten us to where we are right now. And if you don't know your past, well, I think you're, you're doomed to repeat some of the same mistakes you've made in the past. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. This ride was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many letterbound books apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. Now they come out as the biggest... Major League Baseball manager apologists. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park, I you supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude with a a dude another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have. In spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. Side of the spectrum, they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100% unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at them. Oh, doing, we don't they put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. <laughs> You damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.